you're lucky I started rolling after that. Because that would have been like the beginning of a Sublime song. And I would have not been super stoked if I heard those bubbles. They would have, uh... They would have come in handy on this little tour of punk rock we're doing, though. The tour of punk rock, is that what we're doing? We're doing the tour of punk rock. Well, it's what it means to be punk, but it's, uh, you know, tour of, uh... Our personal experience, I guess. Alright. Uh, who are we, by the way? I'm Cadet Edak. I'm White Trash Ninja. We little are. Stony White Trash Ninja. <laughs> Stony Baloney, little ninja. Who's back on Tinder, folks? <laughs> He's back on Tinder. Back on Tinder. Ladies, beware for Remember the man in the mask. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, we are Friends Without Benefits. This is the Friends Without Benefits. Radio show midnight hour. I'm not sure what the official title is. We don't do we anything officially. Yeah, so friends without benefits. Midnight hour. Shoot the shit. Play the hits <coughs> that uh, we want to play. Yeah, and uh... so we're just gonna sort of pick up where, where we, we left, left off, off last week. Oh, Jinx, 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 Oh. Anyways, the Pepsi. point is we're gonna kick it off. Uh, we were talking last week at the end about Bay Area Punk. We kind of dipped into the Dead Kennedys. Uh, I'm just going to go out and say right now that punk rock is actually the reason I moved to the Bay Area in the first place. Uh-huh. Um, that and skateboarding, obviously, but... Yeah. Ninja, I'm sorry. This is a radio show, so nobody no. else could see this, but you've just shaved your head. <laughs> you have missed one spot. <laughs> and there's like a little lock of hair, like a little rooster. Where? Just poke it up in the back. Ah, damn it. Uh, <laughs> but that's very punk, right? No, it's not. It's <laughs> actually real shitty. Uh, <laughs> Start, God damn it. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, so music and skateboarding, skateboarding and music, it got you into punk. No, yeah. it got me into the Bay Area, you fucking horrible listener. I wasn't, I wasn't listening, I was distracted uh, by your rooster tail. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> ah! Shit. Fucking asshole. Shit's hit the fan. Anyways, where I was so rudely interrupted. Yeah. By my asshole partner in crime here. <laughs> I was a wee lad, just about seven, when uh, I started listening to a band called Green Day. Yeah. I actually remember my cousin had the CD when I was a kid. You're talking about Dookie. Dookie. He had yeah. Dookie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he had Dookie when we were young, and he um, he would always fucking have that one around like on the shelf mm -hmm. the room. And I asked my uncle to dub a copy for me. That's like dubstepping. Sure. Uh, he taped me a copy of Dookie oh, yeah. at my parents' house, and I remember he cut off the last song on the album, which was Fuck Off and Die. Uh -huh. So, 
He was saving you. Something like that. Uh, and um, that was like my first introduction to like punk rock as a, as a youngin. Mm -hmm. And of course, listening to Green Day got me into Operation Ivy and Rancid and all these other AFI, all these other bands that came from the Bay Area that were punk. But they were like kind of the second coming. Mm -hmm. Like they were the second wave, like the Dead Kennedys and Flipper, they were the first wave of Bay Area Flipper! punk. And then the uh, you know, Green Day and Op Ivy, and Ransom, that whole scene out in the East Bay, they were kind of the second wave. And it's funny because think about punk rock in the early 90s. Um, a lot of the bands from Seattle and the area that were in the charts. Now, I'm looking up uh, the Wikipedia because I don't really know too much about Green Day. I know the hits. I know that the second most expensive concert ticket I ever spent was on Green Day on the American <laughs> Idiot Tour. And I felt just like that because I wanted to go see Jimmy Eat World open. I fucking showed up for the last song of Jimmy Eat World set, and then Green Day shows up and plays it. And I was like, oh shit, we're in nosebleed section. Yeah, I was not stoked. So I don't have the same connection with Green Day as you. And I'm looking here at the Wikipedia. It says there's controversy. I guess all great bands have controversy uh, over whether or not the band's musical style constitutes true punk. Well, what do you think about that, Ninja? Well, when was somebody saying that? Is, well, is that's, I mean, John Lydon from the Sex Pistols. Well, uh, he would say that. He's a fucking asshole. All right. And he wants to claim he invented punk. Um, so Armstrong himself has said, sometimes I think we've become totally redundant because we're this big band now. We've made a lot of money. We're not punk rock anymore. But then I think about it and just say, you can take us out of a punk rock environment, but you can't take the punk rock out of us. Now that smells just fucking horrible of sellout to me. Um, well, I mean, Billy Joe is a total sellout. Let's not get it twisted. And I think he knows that. Mm -hmm. um, but who am I to judge? I mean, the man's made it. The, like, And I guess that goes into the fucking... I mean, as, as far as the ideologies of punk goes, I think to some extent the, there is some that still rooted in their music like mm. I mean American Idiot was kind of a farce and then the albums that came after it, it just got even worse but all of them were still embracing overall punk ideology you know simplicity within the craft of their music that anti-authority anti you know we're gonna do whatever the fuck you know, we're not anti we're gonna do whatever they were gonna do whatever the fuck they want. Uh -huh. um, the only difference is now that they have a bunch of money. Yeah. And while having a bunch of money is not necessarily the most punk rock statement someone can make, mm -hmm. it's more about the fact that they still hold on to these ideologies within their art. Now here's... Okay, I want to get to this because this is where the biggest problem I have with punk is is punk is an attitude. Punk is a fuck you, you know, way of looking at life. And here's my thing is 
you handcuff yourself when, as soon as you say like, oh, we've started to make money, well, you're not punk anymore. Now, I have for a long time believed that and held true to that and wanted to believe like, yeah, that's right, if I'm gonna be a real punk, and like, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not a real punk. As much as I wanna pretend to be one, I'm not a real punk, I like, I have a fuck you attitude. And that's what punk is to me, but somebody that sees punk music and thinks like, oh, it's all fucking, you know, the Sex Pistols and the Clash, that's punk. Like, I'm not punk. Um, and I know that. And I, I think that uh, one of the things that bums me out is like, punk inherently comes with this, uh, you can only go so far and then you can't be punk anymore. I'm sorry, but if you do your thing, the way that you do it. It doesn't matter what that is. And you, and people dig it, and you have a chance to have as many people as you can dig it. Why wouldn't you wanna fucking do that? Well, and it's exactly a question, it. it's a question that I battle over and drives me fucking crazy and insane and keeps me up late at night. It's like, how much do you want to play the game and not feel like a sellout? You know, like I accuse them of being a sellout to begin with, and then I realize like maybe I'm the maybe I'm the fucking sellout for not being able to, you know, appreciate like these guys did what they wanted to do, and people were like, okay, yeah, we can make money, but so can you. Well, I mean, look at a band like Rancid. They're uh, you know. Rancid and Green Day came up around the exact same time, you know, and, uh... I guess Rancid just has, for some reason, some, like, a little more street cred, but, you know, they both are, you know, were signed to relatively big labels. Um, they've played really big shows. They've made millions of dollars off their punk rock music, but you don't hear people talking shit about Rancid the way you hear people talking shit about Green Day. Why do you think that is? Um, you know, it's... It's really hard to say, because both bands have gone on to do great things and be very successful, and... Nine times out of ten, people are gonna be like, oh, well, Rancid's still punk. Well... Green Day, their sound has only gotten more polished mm -hmm. because they have all these fucking gizmos and gadgets and tools to make everything sound perfect on their record, so they fucking use them. Yeah. But I don't see much of a difference between the band other than that, like, Green Day has continued to sound really poppy, mm -hmm. and Rancid has just truly done whatever the fuck they wanted in terms of that. I guess that in the end be why people sided for more. But Green Day kept the poppy sound, but I mean, that's what they were good at, so why change something good at? Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, punk, right? It's uh, this idea of not having to work a regular 9 to 5. It's the idea of having music be your way of life, touring, playing music every night to a different crowd. Like, that's punk, right? Why if they're playing music every night in front of a crowd, isn't it fucking sweet to see somebody like go from playing a bedroom to six people and not, you know, they get paid a fucking toothpaste sandwich to seeing like, oh, we can now like 
fill an arena of 15,000 people who dig our music and want to support us and like what we're doing. Like, I guess here's, and this is, like, I go back and forth between both sides, between film, and like, I feel like a fucking hypocrite every time, but I see both sides of the coin, you know? Like, I see the, well, fuck money, fuck capitalism, you know? Like, it's not about that, it's about music, it's about art, and I, that is me, that is my passion, that is my art, and as much as I want to change the way the fucking world works, I know that me not me playing in people's bedrooms for 20 years isn't going to change that necessarily. And if you know it it's fucking weird. It's a weird paradox. Um and I think that's maybe the only downside of this term punk is that it does eventually end up limiting you or really dividing, you know, the people who first started supporting you to people that catch on later. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong in that. Well, um, let's listen to some of that art from the Bay Area. And when we come back, we'll discuss why it's such a thin line. Sounds good.
back. That was uh, Operation Ivy, Rancid, Green Day, or Operation Ivy. You're the Friends Without Benefits, non-beneficial midnight hour radio extravaganza spectacular. And I mean, it's kind of crazy that all those songs are pretty poppy and catchy. I mean, with knowledge is probably the most brash of yeah, all of them. Yeah, to be honest with you, all those songs that we just played, I don't know why they're punk. Is it because of what they're saying? Is it because they're talking like this when they're saying? I think it like, has to do more with the simplicity and the drive of the music rather than... So it's the attitude. Yeah. You know? So then it gets back to, is punk music or punk is just an attitude, isn't it? I guess so. Because I because, uh, go for it. Well, it's just a weird thin line with music because bands who don't, by any means, rude. It's my mother. That's pretty punk. Mama Ninja. Mom's texting me during the radio show. That's pretty. Yeah, well, my grandma called and left me a message, so boom, you know. Anyways, it's a thin line between, like, the thin line between punk and pop. The thin line between punk attitude and punk music. Yeah. Because bands who don't sell out have the integrity, or they they get the integrity. But what? Okay. What is that integrity? What does it mean to not sell out? It means you were never in it to make money from the get-go. You were in it because your heart had this sort of purity that, you know, everyone wishes truly existed. And I guess back in the 80s when punk was a very grassroots thing, it did exist. But, you know, everything becomes a marketable commodity. And this is where I'll get to the band that I can think of the biggest that everybody idolizes as far as having a punk ethos, a punk do-it-yourself attitude, uh, and I'm included in that, is Fugazi. Oh, I agree. Completely. 100%. Now, this is the thing. Everybody looks at Fugazi and says they didn't sell out. They didn't make t-shirts, they didn't make the stickers, they had uh, shows to be accessible, all-ages shows, weird DIY spots shows never more than $10, usually around 5 and managed to make money off of that, okay? And they weren't doing it to gouge people, they weren't doing it for commercial success, they didn't license their music, they just built up a rabid fan following, okay? And now, I agree. I agree 100%, like, that is the ideal. Nobody has ever come close to what Fugazi has done, nobody ever will come close to what Fugazi did. However, if you want to take a look to me, in my opinion, of selling out, when Fugazi now is running their Discord live series, where it's, hey, here are all the shows we recorded, give us five bucks for the audio of this show. It's a fucking wonderful thing for all the fans, but that's a bit of selling out, isn't it? Isn't it a bit selling out when you are re-releasing... Like, oh, here are the demo tracks to these songs that you've already heard. Oh, here's the grand box set of all these songs that you've I don't think that's that selling heard. out. Isn't it, though? I don't think so. what are they so. doing? You have the music. They're just re... They're putting a brand new coat of paint on it and saying, here, buy this. 
buy this thing now, help support us. I mean, that is essentially the same, like, they're doing it all themselves. So is it because they're doing it themselves that it's not selling out, they're not having somebody else help them? Is that what makes a sellout? I think it, I think it would be a bigger quote-unquote sellout move if they, like, reunited and did a bunch of fucking festival dates or something like that. That would Why? be more of a sellout. Because don't you want to see Fugazi? I, I do, want to see I Fugazi. Want, I, I want them to do it because they want to do it. I don't want them to do it because, like, someone like Bonnaroo or something is throwing them a shit ton of money. But at this point in time, okay, Fugazi wants to get back together. They're not going to be able to go play Bottom of the Hill. Or if they are, they're going to be able to play there for fucking two weeks straight. Isn't that selling out? Like, at this point in time, anything that they do to make any amount of money, isn't that selling out? That's a pretty paradoxical question. I know, and that and that's the paradox of punk, isn't it? Like, cause don't get like this sounds like I don't like Fugazi. Fugazi are my fucking heroes as far as a business practice goes. Like those guys have run the best music business that has run outside of the music business that has ever been done and will never be duplicated again. Like it sucks that we can't be as good as Fugazi in that sense or that nobody can like with the internet now and with how much that's overstimulated with everything you can't play that you can't play that game anymore that day is done uh and I I to be fair I hope I'm wrong I hope there's a band that can fucking do it again I I really hope for that realistically do I think it's possible probably not and that sucks um so then what what do you do in that punk paradox? How do you keep that punk attitude, not sell out, be able to sleep at night, and be able to eat during the day, and be healthy and happy? <coughs> How do you do that is when you live, eat, sleep, breathe, and die by the ethos of punk. I don't know, but what I do know is that punks get old too. See, punks get old too. And that, <laughs> and like it, it's a, and fucking look at Henry Rollins. You want to talk about a guy who like embodied a punk movement and a no fucks given attitude, and then look at him. He's got his own little show on IFC. He's doing a, uh, you know, oh, what was the fucking oh shit? Now the example escapes me. I mean Henry Rollins though, like. He's just being paid to public speak now? Isn't that pretty, like, that's a pretty big sellout move. Hey, folks, come gather around and watch me grace you with my presence and talk at you for fucking two hours. That's a pretty damn sellout move. I, like, I don't get me wrong, I want to be in the audience and know what he has to say because he's entertaining as fuck, but, like, at the end of the day... Isn't that kind of selling out in, in, in terms of the punk world? I don't know. I don't know. Well, what I do know is we should probably listen to a bunch of Fugazi and Minor Threat songs right now and dwell on the thin line and sell out. That sounds good. Let's just, this is the Discord chunk. Let's hit it!
Discord record label. Uh, there's Fugazi in there. There's some Minor Threat. There's some Q and Not You, because I love them and they're fucking great. Um, so now we've got to get to Ninja's favorite band. Uh, I don't know if that's actually true or not, but it is, it is one true. of his favorites. It and is that true. band is. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, you fucking... Oh, your mother would be proud. Nirvana. Uh, I think it's interesting that we uh, talked about Fugazi before this because in the past few years as I've like really started to learn to love Fugazi and like, listen to every song they ever fucking wrote and analyze it to down to the nitty gritty. Um... Weird to think they and Nirvana were kind of in the same, they were in the same time period, pretty much. Yeah. Like, Fugazi's first album came out in 88, maybe 89, I can't recall off the top of my head. Maybe Is it 86? I want to say later, because in between, um... 87 is when they formed... Yeah. Uh, 13 songs came out in 88. Okay, so yeah, they were... Their debut was one year before Nirvana. Nirvana debuted. I, I lied. Bleach. 13 songs is in 89. They had their EP in Margin Walk. Oh. All right. So they, their first albums came out the same year. Mm-hmm. Now, in the grand scheme of punk, like I think you're right in terms of the sense that Fugazi will always be the band that, that quote unquote, never sold out. Yeah. But uh, Nirvana was the first punk band that became this crazy marketable commodity within record label. Um, And people always talk about it. Any Nirvana book you read, any movie you see, or uh, there was that Foo Fighters show, they talked about this a lot too. But what everyone will tell you is amazing about the story of Nirvana is that they went from playing clubs of like nobody and nothing to playing giant you know, that hundred, like 20,000 person crowds, like in the blink of an eye. Mm. You know, they were this band that got so big, so fast. And it's, it's a tough thing with the whole sellout thing because like, like look at a guy like Kurt Cobain. This was a guy who was the product of this love and adoration to punk. You know, he loved Black Flag. I'm sure he liked Fugazi, you know, while they were going around on tour. I'm sure he liked a lot of those punk bands that taught him that ethos. Um, to me, the saddest thing of the book, Come As You Are, is that the one chapter Kurt Cobain insisted they have removed was his top 50 favorite album of all time. Hey. Yeah. Um, but I mean, if you go to the 
Experience Music Project in Seattle, they have a big wall full of albums that he loved. And like, he loved the Pixies, he loved Black Flag, he loved the Minutemen, and experimental stuff like that. But he also loved the Beatles, and he loved pop. And this is that thing about pop and punk again as well. Like, that's another very thin line. People say, oh, pop punk's like, well, pop punk is just punk music that's structured around a very specific melody. It's the fucking Beach Boys sped up to a thousand, you know? Uh, that's what it is. Huh. But Kurt Cobain, I mean, the minute that guy sold out, quote unquote, you know, the minute he became this huge enterprise, he hated everything. Yeah. He wanted to call the album In Utero, I Hate Myself and I Want to Die. And he just could not live with the fact that he, like, went against all this shit that he so proudly stood for. I mean, you listen to In Utero after Nevermind, and In Utero is this entirely amazing departure from where they were going. But... It was... It's still amazing, you know. It's he he was proving with that album at the end there that you couldn't contain him and he was still gonna try and do whatever the fuck he wanted to do. But what freaked him out and what freaked other people out was that that album soared up the charts. It's like he had opened the floodgates of punk to the masses, which is what he wanted. I don't think no 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 what he no. There's that story of him going into the record label i don't know the label but him saying like i want to be the biggest fucking band in the world right he knew what he wanted and the thing is is that as soon as he got it he realized what he asked for and everything that comes along with it and can't hang with that and that's like i mean i think that's every fucking i think that's the fear of selling out i think maybe that's Maybe that's why people are so scared of that idea of selling out, because you understand, oh, if you sell out, this is what it becomes. It is not any longer about you just being able to play in the basement anymore. It isn't just you being a dude. You become something totally else. You become a brand. You become a marketable commodity. And I think that's what it gets down to. That's why people are so anti-selling out is as soon as you are a marketable commodity for a company, for a corporation, that is when you have sold out. Is, am I wrong in that? Is that part of it? Maybe? You're on to something there, I think. You know, and I think maybe that's... I mean, talking for... Or just talking about myself, like, that's my biggest fear. That's, like, the thing that... Fuck it, I'll be honest, I want to be able to play shows to as many people as I can in whatever setting that may be. Hopefully one day I can play in a fucking festival that has a lot of people there. But I also know the burden that comes with that and am terrified of that. I am so fucking terrified of, okay, what happens when you ask for the world and then the world is given to you? Now what? Now you've got a responsibility. Now it's not just for fun anymore. Now it can't just be about the music. Now it can't just be about the art. Now it has to be about a bottom line because now you are a businessman. And maybe that's what um, 
punk is all about. Maybe punk is about not becoming a businessman. I don't know. These are ideas that are coming to me off the top of my head. We are no... Well, hey, that's why we're having this discussion, to find out what it means to be punk. These are my ideas. What are your ideas? Is, if anybody is still listening to this, what do you think about this? What, what do you think about punk? What is it? Why don't you dwell on that while we listen to a bunch of Nirvana songs that truly embody the spirit of punk? And then, when we return...
creative juices. You put that man behind a keyboard and he becomes a uh, producer extraordinaire. The likes of which Timberland would be scared of. Sorry, Timbaland. Because he makes music for sheep. Anyways, we hope you enjoyed this discussion of punk. We very well might continue this discussion next week. We will. We probably will. Uh, we will. Fuck it. Till the end of we'll. February. February is not only Black History Month. It is Recognize the Punks Month. Um, it is now, anyways. Mark it on your calendars. Every Wednesday night at midnight, so it's technically Thursday morning. Whatever. We'll be here. We'll be talking. Hopefully you'll be listening, or at least enjoying yourselves hearing music. On the Friends Without Benefits radio hour at midnight extravaganza. I am Cadet Edak. The man making beats is White Trash Ninja. Any parting thoughts? White Trash Ninja in full effect. That's all I got. Fair enough. Alright, thanks for listening here on BFF.FM. Stay around for overnight delivery. Toodles.